From now, there's a special edition of You and Yours looking at the rising popularity of the small car. That's just after midday. But first, last week, Andrew Hussey journeyed through the south of France and discovered a newly galvanised region shaking off its languorous, lavender-scented image. Now on Radio 4, he heads to the North Country to continue his exploration of La France Maintenant. I'm sitting here at a cafe table in Lille, in the heart of northern France, and I've got a drink by my side, and I'm watching a YouTube clip on my iPhone. I, actually, I'm watching a clip from one of the best-selling French films of all time. You might think this is something by Cocteau, or by Godard, or starring Depardieu. Actually, it's a daft comedy romp called Bienvenue, Stéle Sti. Welcome to the land of the Sti. And we are here in the land of the Sti. It's a word that, you know, you won't find in many French dictionaries, but they're all French people know what it means. It means the North and it means Northerners. More than this, most French people actually have a horror of the North. And the point about this film is it mirrors my journey from Marseille to the North. That it's a story of a guy who's moved from the South to the North and he finds it a complete nightmare, or at least for a while. Actually, I feel very at home here. I think it's partly because the people are warm, witty, hospitable, with a touch of grit, and, you know, from the north myself, it doesn't feel that alien that far away. In fact, there's another reason why it doesn't feel that alien as well, and that's because my granddad actually came from this region. He was a shti, he spoke shtimi. But there's something else as well. The last time out in France, I found a country that wasn't breaking apart, but finding new ways to be local, new ways to be creative, that were, you know, separate from the big capital of, of Paris. And what I want to do here in Lille, in northern in France is to find out if what was happening in the south is happening here too, that we're building a new France. One of the truisms about French culture is it's a very static, hidebound kind of beast. But what's happening is the internet is changing all of that, opening up opportunities for people well away from the metropolitan centres and introducing a rapid turnover of celebrity culture. And why this matters, particularly in France, is it marks this great seismic shift away from the control of the elites, handing power back to le peuple, the people. I've just got off a tram and I'm heading to the tough district of Vazem, and I'm going to meet one of France's first internet sensations. This is a guy called Kamini, whose homemade rap video about growing up in a small village around here went viral, as they say in French. It led to sales of half a million of the single and 100,000 albums were sold within the first month. It was a big start, but a couple of years on, the spotlight's moved on. You know, the reason for that is that things are starting to move much faster here than they ever did. So Kamini's a kind of a star of the shti scene, but the first question I want to ask is, do you feel yourself to be a shti? Yes, I like this region, this uh, country, and the shti people is working class, friendly, yes. I've got the feeling that Lille is a bit of a sort of frontier town, the kind of ville frontière. Yes, the people who live in Lille like to go in a nightclub in Belgium and in the Holland and the Germany for the techno, music techno house. It's very, very good, how, yes. How far is it to go to a club in Belgium, say? Ten minutes. Ten, ten minutes, minutes uh, ten minutes. So on a, we're 15 kilometres away from the hardcore underground of, of young Belgium. How did you start with, with music? I begin through internet. I make with uh, my camera mm -hmm. a small uh, video clip and I decide to send Madra Company by internet 
Mm-hmm. But uh, this mail was found by the people, and the people shared the, this mail, and uh, I, I make a buzz. Mm-hmm. The first buzz by anonymous people mm-hmm. in France. The people make me a star. Internet make this dream. So once the internet's made you famous, isn't it difficult to, to build on that, to move forward with that celebrity? Yes, uh, because internet, the buzz is a phenomenon. Comment dire, difficile à reproduire. Difficult to reproduce. Yes, difficult to reproduce. Mm-hmm. But I don't complain. Yeah. I like my job, mm-hmm. the music, and uh, to be continued. To be continued. <laughs> as we, as, as we say. Hit them all! Well, I'm, I'm in the Place Briore in Lille. It's a nice little square. There's loads of cafes. It's a Monday afternoon. It's only about five o'clock. Everybody's sitting out with a large beer or something else nice. But what I do feel is if I'm in the north, just in the same way that I feel I know that I'm in the north of England. And what seems to be really interesting and strange and slightly uncanny is the sense that We've got to take a skip to get to the north of England. The nearest landfall is, in fact, the south of England. But this doesn't feel like anything like the south, the genteel south of England. This is one of those polar magnetic fields that we know to be the north. Well, I've made my way from the cafe over to the Prefecture, which is this beautiful 19th century building, which... um, I'm standing in the middle of it. I've got to say, it has much more in common with the Palais de Justice in Brussels than any building in, I've seen in France with its cupolas and its stately domes. And what I'm waiting for is the launch of a magazine which is called Le Ch'ti. Now, this is a kind of listings magazine which is given away free, 250,000 of them. Very prestigious, and it's, it's financed by the business school here in Lille, which is, again, a very prestigious university. But I like the title of the magazine, the subtitle of the magazine, Ne perds pas le nord. Don't forget the North. Hit the North. Now, what I want to do, actually, is not just get a copy of the magazine, but to mingle a little bit and over a glass of champagne or or beer or whatever they drink around here, get a sense of what it means to be patriotic in a local way and how that fits into, if it does at all, 21st century France. Your name is? Grégoire. 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 This is a magazine called Le Ch'ti. Le Ch'ti, yes. Are people in Lille proud of the term Ch'ti? I say this because in the north of England, I'm not sure that a magazine called The Scouser or The Mank would have the same chic cachet. Uh, Well, I guess they're very proud, yes, because it's part of our identity in the north of France. I'm a student, I'm from Paris, but I've been in Lille for four years now. And in myself, I recognize a little more every day uh, a Ch'ti, you know. So, uh, how? 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 By the the food we eat, by uh, liking the the grey sky that's typical of the northern France. Many characteristics that make that... uh, The make of the Yes, yes. So, my name is uh, Bruno Gérard. I'm in charge of communication for Orange in the area, in the region. This year and next year, uh, we support the Ch'ti team. What is the contribution of Lille, the north of France, to the rest of France? The area is very dynamic in terms of economical development. The key question for France is to maintain a quality of life, some welfare. We have very good health system. So the difficulty now is to maintain this, this quality 
but also to, uh, to face the competition. And this is very difficult at the moment. And the risk for France is to lose the economy and the industry and become just a, a country living from tourism. It, it would be a nightmare, of course. Your name is? My name is Elvire. The north of France right now, is this a good place to be? It has an image of a, a very dark place. And uh, now uh, the north of France is evolving a lot. There are lots of projects going on. And it's now becoming one of the biggest cities in France, which is also very young. And that's very a young, very yeah. young city. And also you have a very nice, well, I can experience it because I actually do the city guide. And you have lots of very nice restaurants, lots of very nice bar. And I have to say you have like a jeunesse dorée, which is uh, young people that have a lot of luck and that, uh, that live in really nice houses in the suburbs of Lille. And then uh, you have other people who maybe have less, uh, less luck. Lille is divided. See, this afternoon yeah. I was in the quartier of uh, Vazem, which is very different to the, you know, the business school. Oh yeah, of course. That's, that's what I wanted to illustrate, that you, you really have sort of a, a, like a cleavage between uh, the two. Okay, well I've just come away from the, the, the very posh reception, glass of champagne, lovely and all the rest of it. And the gilded youth of Lille are setting themselves up as respectable business folk. It's great. But I'm struck by the division, how, how far away that is from the, the tins and trackies I saw around the metro stations in Vazems this afternoon. And also how someone like a guy like Kamini, who's basically making his daft but entertaining videos in his, in his shed, but sending them worldwide on the internet, is, is shaping the image of France. It's, it's all very interesting. I'm not sure that this version, the post version, has any more validity than the other one, actually, or any more impact. There you go, I've got my crisps, I've got my bottle of pop and one way to Paris. France and pop music. Normally you put these two things together in Britain and you just get loud, derisory laughter. Well, that's always annoyed me because I've always liked French pop music. In fact, I came here to buy records originally, Afrobeat, reggae, French punk and all that kind of stuff. And it's been an education since then, listening to music in French, French pop music. There's a band on tour in France now called Brigitte. They've been touring kind of in the way that I've been touring in France. And they've just won the equivalent of the Brits' best breakthrough act in France. We are two women. We wrote and did the music together. It's an album, really, I think it's really feminine. Many people ask us, like, why don't you sing in, in English? And I think we like French because it's the language of our mother. It's us, and we like to mix like the old French, the new French, in the streets, also like a hip-hop style of lyrics. We mix like North African music, Sega music, and, and also we wanted to do something with the rock, with the jazz, with the classical music, because we don't want to be a part of one thing. I think the new generation, we are the, the kids of so many uh, history and people and I think it's all the culture mix a lot and we, we don't want to be like, to have only one color, we want to be like we are, like a mix of many things. I think it's not like just baguette and fashion week and saucisson, people 
are really nice and also this is beautiful because it's old but I think England is the same this is beautiful also because it's old and new but I think I don't know it's my country but France is uh, I think you fall in love in France easily for France and for people Well, I'm back in Paris, and you know, one of the things I love—I always feel good when I go back to Paris. And one of the things I love about this city is that it's—it's it's, it's multiple. And I love living here in Paris in the 21st century more than any other period that I've known it. And that's because it's gone from two dimensions, from being white and French, to three, four, five—I don't know how many dimensions. It's a plural place. It's also a place with a top and a bottom. You've got the surface, the society of the spectacle, which you see all around you in the beautiful Houseman Boulevards. But beneath that, there's something darker, grittier, edgier, funnier. It's a carnival of light and dark. Okay, well, I'm standing here in a beautiful park in the heart of the 15th arrondissement in Paris. And I'm in the company of two glamorous detectives. Well, my name's Graham Dooley. I've been a private investigator for about 17 years, and I think I'm the only British person to, to hold a, a license. I'm uh, Golam Mansour, working in Paris more than 30 years now. One of the things that I'm really interested in is, you know, as detectives, you must have an insight into the secret life of Paris. Some of the places that we end up are incredible. The year before last, an American client who was looking for her brother, she hadn't seen him for 30 years, ex-Israeli army, and she had a letter, just a letter, and with a stamp on it. So I came to Gulam and said, how are we going to find this guy? So he went off to the post office and he found some information about a guy that came out in the middle of the night, got stamps and yeah. things late, and he was a recluse. Yeah. So we followed this and subsequently he took me to these buildings. It was like a castle, like a that, fort. That, yeah, yeah, that's right. We had to go up this turret and winding staircase and actually I was shaking. I was wondering yeah, yeah. what you're going to see. And then there was shuffling sound and moon and this big metal door, wasn't it? Yeah. Creaky opened and he put his hand out and I'm thinking, what am I going to touch here? Because yeah, it's yeah, 10 yeah. years. And this wonderful, clean-shaven yeah. guy arrived, but he was, he was cut, he was bleeding. He'd evidently cut his hair and tidied himself yeah, up yeah. just to see us. And there was a room some 10 square metres. Like a prison. Like a prison. Yeah. Like a prison. Yeah. And he's lived in this room for the last 10 years at least and had never been out, out of it except yeah. at night. And then he had to go. He didn't want the sunlight and went back into his little room and, and that was it. Paris is just fascinating. You just don't know where you're going to end up next. It is a secret city, isn't it? Indeed. Uh, Paris, you have this, in, in the surface, you have buildings. Underneath, you get many caves. All these buildings have caves. It is under, under the side, very old. You have a person living underneath also. And this is another way uh, to look inside Paris. You have many places that each time I move in, I will see different things. It is always new. Paris can also be a tense place as well, I find. What can you tell us about the distinction between the Bogne and the centre of the city? I think it is because the police service started to work differently. Before some, uh, a policeman arrived, there will be a, a dialogue first. A respect. Uh, a respect. Yeah. Very quickly, this changed because the service themselves, they come with more aggressivity. And concerning this community Algerians, particularly in the north of Paris, near Barbès, this tension now uh, still exists in Paris, but those communities are leaving Paris, going outside uh, from the center. You have a virtual boundary now. 
the city of Paris itself and the suburb. Now you have areas which are quite difficult, drug traffic, criminality. But for me, during 30 years, I never had any problem with any person. I think when with the riots in Paris in 2005 as well, I mean, yeah. in, in France, I mean, that was, that was serious stuff though, wasn't it? Yeah. Like a mini revolution in, uh, yeah, in yeah, December, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yes. As they were parked really in suburbs, this is the beginning, I think, of uh, many uh, riot situations. Huh? Mm. Because in a couple of years, how this changed? Because you create ghettos. Those population are 30 persons unemployed. There is this, uh, the violence. But inside Paris itself is well protected. Well, I'll tell you what, what seems to be fascinating about Paris is that you've got two separate worlds, in fact, three different worlds. You've got the outside, the Bonnier, outside the Périphérique. You've got the inside where, you know, we've got this very beautiful city. And then there's something below. But in Parisian history and, and Paris now, there is all those, this idea of the underground, the underbelly, the deep psychoanalytical story of Paris, sex, crime, divorce. You just reminded me of something that happened last night sat in this bar and suddenly I got the feeling that something was moving to my right and, and the floor opened up and up came this bin on a hydraulic platform where the people emptied their bags and whatever into the bin and it went down again and the trap door closed and everyone carried on drinking and no one blinked an eyelid. It was like the monster from the pit <laughs> rising up out of the floor, you know. One of the biggest hits on BBC4 recently has been the French cop show Spiral. Actually, we know it as Engrenage on this side of La Manche. And it's a series which sets out to show the gritty underbelly of Paris. Paris as it really is, rather than the cliché tourist myth. My name is Alain Clair, and I'm the, the first producer of Spiral. I'm his son. My name is Vasily, and I'm the producer for the fourth season. Spiral is probably the most successful TV export in French history. We have more than 70 countries broadcasting Spiral. We wanted to represent France as it is, institutions as they are. We have Woody Allen shooting in Paris, showing the magnificent Paris. In Engrenage, we're representing the poor side of Paris, the ugly side of the city. To explain to the public how the, the society is working in France, how the France is now, that is very new for France. Vas-y, lâche mes pompes! Vas-y, lâche mes pompes maintenant! Lâche mes pompes, We have a strong entertainment tradition in France. It's always a bit fake. We were desperate to show the reality of multiculturalism in Paris. It's not politically correct. No. But in fact, we're working with real cops. Real cops are telling us when cops are arresting drug dealers, nine times out of 10, it's black people or Arab people. But French TV, because it's a special country where integration is a very, very strong feeling for everybody. French TV doesn't want to hurt feelings. So we have the tradition to hide reality and to show cops arresting blonde people. <laughs> Coming from Sweden. <laughs> Coming from Sweden. That was not possible anymore. We tried to represent black and Arab people 
as bad guys, not saying anything about all black peoples being uh, bad guys. We're very afraid. We had no one, no article saying that it was a racist show because it was real, it was true. We, we don't want to say that justice is crap, justice is not, we don't want to say that. We, we're just repeating what the, the real guys are telling us, you know? We love Paris, but it's not a dream, it's not like Disneyland. I've seen the very last episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Is set in Paris, in Montmartre. It was shot in Los Angeles uh, on a studio, and every guy has a baguette of bread. <laughs> everybody was white, everybody was middle-aged, and the French beret. That's not possible to let Larry David show the world that Paris is like that. Now it's finished. We are in front of the biggest revolution. It's not only economic. Everything is completely transforma in transformation and nobody knows where we are going. That is a big problem. I only see problems in this country, which I hate, but I could not live anywhere else. You know, as Churchill said, uh, France is the worst country in the world, but I don't know a better one. <laughs> One of the tensions in France has always been about the past and present. And in some ways, that's a bit of a sort of tired idea. But what I'm finding out is that this tension, the past and the present, which you see in the monuments, you see in the lifestyle, you see in the language, it's being played out in a very new way in the 21st century. But more than this, and I think this is the big thing, the French don't lack confidence in themselves. They've never lacked confidence in themselves. But they have asked themselves questions about their role on the international stage. One of the recent and biggest international French hits has been the film The Artist. Uh, it's been a big film in Hollywood, it's been a big film in France here too, where it was first flagged up at the newly resurgent Cannes Film Festival. And one of the guys who's made Cannes Film Festival such an important force in contemporary French culture is Thierry Frémaux. He's the director, which is no small job. We have a problem in France, for sure. It's that we consider the past as a golden age, always. It's true for our intellectual life, regarding, for sure, Jean-Paul Sartre, Albert Camus, and uh, the same in cinema. Still, we are, in France, focused on La Nouvelle Vague. But La Nouvelle Vague was 50 years ago. And I've been attacked. It's something untouchable. And we are still a lot under both sides, the goal on the right side and the glory of the goal and the glory of May 68. The, the British and American press criticise France for being a museum. Is there something in French culture which, which seems to you know, promote this culture of museums? For sure that uh, it's sometimes a problem. If you go in some parts of Lyon or Marseille, especially Marseille or, or even Paris, you can find something totally non-French, mm. which is good. Closing the borders, of course, is dying. Mm. Regarding the fact that France is or could be or is still a museum is because France is beautiful. I'm from Lyon, but living here in Paris every day, I say to myself, what a beautiful city. Mm. But 
Paris changed a lot too. The word I would use to describe France, why, why it's so important, is that France has, as you've said, past, tradition, culture, the present. There's one word, France has got charisma. I hope so. When uh, the artist uh, got his Oscar, I was in Los Angeles there, and it was nice how the film and the crew have been very acclaimed there. But the film is also a tribute to the American culture and movie buff. So in return, sometimes, yeah, if people think that France has still the same role and the same level of fascination, maybe, it's a good news. Yeah. Sometimes I don't know because we are we are still really wondering about is it true that we are not loved anymore? But I think that sometimes it's true because we are also very arrogant, and uh, and we I think we give some reason to be hated. Isn't it just that the French have a certain type of pudeur, a very a very discreet sense of self confidence that's not arrogance, but it's a kind of Self-belief. Yeah, even sometimes when you are shy, people think you are arrogant. Yeah. And uh, there is some kind of shyness. Uh, you are always understatement. You don't have to give everything to someone you don't know. The funniest thing is Jean Dujardin, mm -hmm. who is a great artist, a great actor, a great man, went to Hollywood. He didn't speak English. He learned English. And he got everything, award, Golden Globes and Oscar and so on and so on. But now his dream is to go back to his house in the countryside to see his friends. And I like this idea that going to Hollywood, yeah, could be a moment in life, but then you have to go back to what you are. And maybe Jean Dujardin is, is very French for that. So the Cannes Film Festival has once again become the place where movies are discovered, where exciting stuff happens, and this is not the same thing as the predictability of the Oscars. So where does that iconoclastic energy come from? I like to talk about the edition of last year, of the artist and so on, but I'm afraid also of that because it's the past for me now. I'm looking uh, in front of me and uh, preparing the new edition. I don't know. I hope that that compliment you are doing will be will be the same in, in six months. But I think that we have this big sense of how to protect the tradition. On the other hand, we open also the future because you can't be on, on a, with a vieille dame you must be also a jeune fille. The sense of the past of the French is something precious. We feel the sense of history, we feel the, the, the sense of the past. And it's good, because as Faulkner used to say, the past is not dead, the past is even not the past. Well, I've had a relationship with this country, France, for over 30 years, so I thought I knew it pretty well, but this recent tour around has been a big education for me, actually. There's been a lot of propaganda from the so-called Anglo-Saxon world in the past 10, 15 years that France has either lost its way, or actually what I think is happening is that, is that the global gaze has not been on France. And what I think is that it's given the French a chance to refresh themselves, re-energize themselves, have a good look at themselves, and, and do this very French thing, which is a retour au source, going back to the source. And they've come back stronger and harder and being better at what they're really good at, which is being French. But when I say French, being French, I don't mean berets, baguettes, and general stroppiness that we know and love them for, but actually what they're really good at, which is culture. It's le social, which is, which is the whole idea that society looks after its citizens. It's to do with ideas, it's to do with confidence, and it's to do with, actually I see France as 
an old country but with a very young energy. It is still la grande nation. It is still the great nation where ideas, culture, politics take on a universal dimension. This country is still on the move. La Grande Nation, which was born in the 18th century, the country that was an idea, still has ideals. And from the local to the universal, as I've seen on my travels, that's why France, La France maintenant, still matters to us all. La France Maintenant was presented by Andrew Hussey and produced by Jeff Bird. Monsieur Ciel Bleu, or Mr Blue Sky if you prefer, returns for some more comic adventures this morning. He's a glass-half-full kind of guy, as you'll hear in a moment on Radio 4. After the midday news, it's you and yours, and with news of that, here's Julian Warricker. As petrol costs rise, along with road tax and car insurance, something has to give, and that something appears to be the amount of space we have in the cars we're buying and driving. In a special Easter Monday edition of You and Yours, we examine the small car market, what's on offer, how much money can be saved, whether the designers are keeping up with what consumers want, how the future looks, and the part electric cars may play in that future. Manufacturers, designers and industry watchers will all have their